This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Guys, welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is July 23rd, and July 23rd means it's the day of the Arizona Big Game Super Raffle live webcast on the azgfd.gov website. They are going to be uh, broadcasting the uh, Arizona Big Game Super Raffle drawing tonight at 6 p.m. Arizona time. So tune in to see if you want to tag or not. And uh, congratulations in ahead, ahead of time here to those of you that uh, are going to be the, the uh, fortunate recipients of, uh, of these tags. I want to thank uh, the Big Game uh, uh, Super Raffle Committee for uh, putting this all together, and um, it's just a great opportunity to support our state for all those all of you guys that bought tickets. I want to thank you for supporting our state, and it's an exciting day here, July 23rd. Um, also, big news you've probably seen on a lot of the different uh, social media platforms and websites, um, the Arizona uh, Elk uh, commissioner's uh, governor's tag was harvested in the last day or so. Uh, big, giant, typical six by six, uh, real heavy, beautiful looking bull. Uh, Philip Barrett uh, was guided by A3 uh, Trophy Hunts, who's been on this podcast before, friend of the podcast. And I want to uh, offer congratulations to the hunter and congratulations to the guides for their hard work and just a beautiful bull, real heavy, heavy, heavy looking bull. Um, so that was exciting. Uh, guys, um, I want to talk to you today about uh, the GoHunt.com Insider giveaways. Uh, they did, uh, four, they're doing four weeks and four tags. And the week two winner, uh, big congratulations, goes out to Don D from Milpitas, California. Uh, who won the second week, and he won a New Mexico Unit 10 Bull Elk Tag uh, for the 2015 season. Um, and there's uh, three alternates have been named in case uh, Don does not uh, collect his tag. Uh, but uh, what an opportunity. Uh, just by being a GoHunt.com Insider member, uh, they gave an antelope hunt away the first week, uh, an elk hunt away the second week and we're going to talk about the the uh, third week um, all you have to do is be an insider member you're automatically entered into the draw uh, each week so it's a it's a great opportunity uh, this week the week three giveaway at gohunt.com uh, for those of you who haven't heard we're giving away one landowner tag every week uh, in July to our insider members. All you have to do is join the insider to be entered. Um, and we're going to talk about, guys, when you join the GoHunt.com insider to use the J. Scott promo code uh, and you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. 
But the week three landowner tag giveaway is a Utah Double R Ranch CWMU deer tag. The hunt dates are October 1st through October 19th. It has a retail value of $5,000. The description of the tag, this is a great tag for hunters wanting to harvest a mature buck scoring from 160 to 180. This ranch has good road access in most places, so hunters are encouraged to bring their ATVs or side-by-side -side vehicles. With many places for deer to hide in the 6,392-acre ranch, hunters should be in great physical shape and be prepared to hunt hard for the perfect buck. There are two cabins on this property complete with bunk beds and wood-burning stoves. Travel trailers, motorhomes, and tents are other options for hunters who do not want to stay in the cabin. So the the pro the rules uh, for this uh, week three giveaway are um, each insider member will automatically receive one entry per week. Participants must sign up for insider by Sunday at midnight Pacific Standard Time to be eligible for that week's drawing. Winners will be chosen at random. Uh, we'll announce a winner in three alternates every Monday. Uh, winners will be contacted by email or phone and will have 24 hours to claim their prize. Tags are non-transferable. If the winner can't use the tag, the tag will be offered to an alternate. Winners are responsible for paying all applicable sales, license, and tag fees. Uh, participants are only eligible to win one tag. No employees of GoHunt are eligible to win. Winners must provide GoHunt with photos and written story after their hunt. So that's an awesome opportunity there to shoot a nice mule deer buck. So for the week of July 21st through the 26th, the week three giveaway, uh, sign up for Insider if you haven't. Um, guys, not only being a GoHunt.com Insider member uh, do you get to win a lot of tags, but they also have an incredible resource uh, here. And the benefits are you've got unit profiles um, you've got mapping and satellite imagery, get a bird's eye view of hunting terrain on detailed unit maps with clearly identified boundary lines and marked area services. So one of the cool things if you draw, let's say, a, a unit 15D Arizona tag or a unit uh, 66 Colorado tag, um, you can pull up that state on the GoHunt.com Insider pull up that specific unit so the map shows up of the unit with the boundaries then you can click a button for the area services and it will tell you the nearest gas stations it'll tell you the nearest motels it'll tell you the nearest uh, archery tackle shops it'll tell you um, all sorts of things uh, as a resource so you know where to get gas you know where to get food you know where supplies are and that's a, that's a valuable tool um, for me uh, when using the GoHunt.com uh, Insider. Uh, you also have uh, tag quota and harvest success. Know the numbers going into your hunt with your tag, allocation data, and harvest success rates for each species by species and also by season. Uh, you've got species and season specific information. Uh, learn about each species in the unit and gain valuable insight into animals' genetics as well as uh, season-specific behavior details. And the other cool thing um, under unit profiles is weather and geography. View the entire weather history of a unit, precipitation and temperature, 
plus moon phases. Uh, see how much of the unit is private land, your camping and lodging options, and what type of terrain and vegetation to expect. So guys, that's uh, just uh, some of the benefits for being a GoHunt.com Insider member. Um, also, you have uh, strategic insight from experienced hunters, uh, monthly gear and tag and hunt giveaways, and 10% off the largest selection of landowner tags in the West. So guys, when you sign up for uh, GoHunt.com Insider, uh, if, if you follow these steps, uh, you're going to get a free $50 Kuyu gift certificate. Uh, you simply join Insider for $149 and receive a $50 for, uh, gift card good for Kuyu gear. Uh, there's three easy steps to get the, the Kuyu gift card of $50. You visit GoHunt.com Insider, click on the blue Join Now button, use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout, and you'll automatically receive a $50 uh, gift card. Now, uh, after you sign up, you'll receive an email from GoHunt.com within three business days with your digital gift card attached. Uh, so then you'll be able to use that to buy Kuyu gear. I want to thank um, our sponsor, title sponsor, uh, GoHunt.com Insider. Uh, they've been a great supporter of this podcast. Uh, I also want to thank uh, DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Uh, they they provide, uh, they're hunters that make uh, hunting apparel. And they have uh, lots of uh, new great hats if you've uh, just got... Uh, text uh, from the owner the other day saying they had added a bunch of hats uh, to the website and if you go on deadeyeoutfitters.com uh, you'll see there's a whole slew of new hats um, they've got everything from you know uh, flat brim hats to uh, 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 flex fit hats to uh, pre-curved uh, visors um, but the, the uh, logos and, and the, the artistry on the hats are awesome and the t-shirts and the hoodies. Um, now remember, if you uh, when you buy stuff at the deadeyeoutfitters.com, if you use the promo code JSCOTT, you'll automatically receive 10% off of your purchase. So use the JSCOTT Outdoors promo code. Um, I want to thank GoHunt.com, Insider, and Deadeye Outfitters for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, without them, uh, the, the podcast wouldn't be possible, so I appreciate you guys supporting them. I uh, can't wait to get to this episode of Part 2 of Field Judging Elk. I want to thank my friend Craig Steele uh, for being on uh, with me on this episode, and let's get right to the show. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we're talking Field Judging Elk again. I've got uh, Craig Steele, uh, OrgHunt.com, Exclusive Pursuits Outfitters uh, with us uh, to talk more elk field judging and scoring. Craig, how you doing? Good. I'm doing well, Jay. How are you doing? Good. Are you uh, ready to get into the numbers today of uh, field judging elk? Let's go for it, man. Okay. Um, in a previous episode, we had talked about air judging and categorizing bulls. Uh, digiscoping uh, for better references and, and being able to break down bulls. Um, today we're going to talk about several methods of scoring that I use um, and that I've used over the years and 
uh, each year try and perfect even more, um, but they've become uh, good uh, tools for me to to lean on. And like we talked about in the prior episode, uh, if you go to jscottoutdoors.com, you go to the right-hand column kind of down, scroll down a ways, uh, you will see uh, Field Judging Elk. And if you click on that, there's like 35 posts that I've done on field judging. And in those posts, there's a lot of uh, video and pictures of bulls where you can actually uh, see uh, the bull running around bugling and then you'll get my estimated actual measurements um, and then on some you'll get the estimated shortest points. Um, I think, you know, for people out there, I think the magic number or the estimated shortest points method works pretty darn good and pretty darn fast. Um, the one thing I will caution you is when you're just and in that method, you're basically um, adding up one side of the points and doubling them. The only thing I would tell you is if if you misjudge that by doubling, you're compounding your room for error. So the, in my mind, the most accurate uh, method of field judging is estimating actual measurements. So when we're talking about measurements um, to rehearse, you actually remember that there's there's four categories of score in the Boone and Crockett scoring system. That's time length, main beam, mass, and spread. Like we talked about in the prior episode, uh, field judging elk and scoring elk, the most important aspect of a bull's score percentage-wise is time length. Second is main beam, third mass, and fourth is spread. So if someone tells you, oh man, that bull was wide, well, that's only part of the story. But if someone comes back and tells you, man, the points on that bull were unbelievable and he had incredible main beams, then that is definitely a bull that you want to go check out. Um Let's dive right into estimating actual measurements, Craig. Uh, in, in a just a general topic, how do you become better at knowing what each point scores? I know how I do, and that's actually measuring antler, lots of antler, you know, whether they be sheds or you know other people's bulls, trying to know what you know 15 inches is, what is 16 inches, you know, what is 20 inches. Is that the same for you? Yeah, it's the actually seeing them. You know, whether it be a shed, whether it be a set of antlers from the taxidermist or or that I have. Um, those those are critical. Whether uh, another thing is you know like. Um, the, the the averages of, of of time length on whether it be your side or Boone and Crockett Club, getting a feel for what actually is, and then you know um, the other thing is you can never beat uh, real life experience. Um, yeah. Um, it, even if it's um, you know, and I, I encourage, and a lot of people, this is going to sound weird, but. I, I encourage you, if, if you watch a bull fall that you maybe have seen, um, to to 
go and touch it, congratulate the other hunter that took it, and just to get that experience. Um, because with the way draws are and everything, I think a lot of guys, to be accurate with their field judging, to, to be really accurate, you have to do it a lot. Um, and, and you have to see that animal live, and you have to see that animal dead to actually get a sense of, okay, I thought he was 15 inches on his G3s, and he's actually 10 inches. You know, so so those, those you know, touching horns helps. Um, looking at horns helps. Looking at videos help. But actually, the real-life experience helps the most. And so any way you can get it, and I know that's kind of a, a weird way of, of doing it, but, um, you know, I know, I'm, not, I'm like you, you know, we celebrate. You know, it sucks when somebody kills something and your hunter's not able to get it or you're not able to kill it or your family member or friend's not able to kill it. But, uh, you know, we're all up there hunters. And if you go up and actually, you know, offer to give somebody a hand just so you get that, you humble yourselves and just so you get that experience of actually touching that bull and seeing what he actually is, then do it. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I, a- absolutely. Um, so there's nothing like hands on experience. There, uh, there, absolutely. There's, no, there's nothing that replaces it. Um, that's one thing that I've known. Uh, I, I, I've noticed since, since, you know, I've started guiding. Um, it is my uh, field judging skill level um, goes up uh, because I'm well. You're forced to. You're, you're, for, you're forced to, and and also you're able to. You know, with our outfitting deal, you, you know, we're we're a we're a medium size outfitting outfitter in Arizona. I would consider us, um, and so we have you know four or five guys that may that do hunts for us, um, and you know if if two or three are successful, maybe my guy wasn't successful. Um, I'm still able to put my hands on animals that I probably saw and, and that elevates, um, you know, it's just like with you and Dar, you know, you're able to go put your hands on something that you actually saw. And the second best thing is having images or video and then putting your hands on that animal, you know? Well, and and I think too, Craig, at, at, to a certain point, you have to kind of put yourself out there with your hunting partners or what have you and say, I think this bull scores this and this is why I think so. Yes. If you don't ever kind of take a stand and force yourself to put a number on it and say, this is the number that I accurately, you know, I'm putting my credibility saying this is what this animal scores, you never get better. What has made me better as 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 well as guiding and you know, it's one thing for me to be inaccurate on a score of something that I shoot my own. But if someone hires me, I want to be as credible and as accurate as I possibly can. And so it has forced me to, to stand a line and say, I think that bull scores 320. Yep. Or I think that bull scores 380. And have the skill and backup to be able to say, this is why. Exactly. Now, am I, am I right every time? Heck no. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say one of my biggest faults is I'm, I'm notoriously low. I'll give you an example. Last year, uh, I actually uh, was fortunate to accompany uh, Jason Harrison of Kuyu to just go along with them and take pictures and, and, and go with him on a hunt in Montana just for fun and shoot some video and, you know, just hang out. And we looked at a lot of bulls, and Jason, we had an incredible hunt. And, um, you know, 
That's the Montana hunt, right? Yeah, Montana hunt. There's a couple lessons here. One of which is I just came from Arizona, didn't really ask a lot of questions about Montana, jumped right into bulls bugling and, you know, chaos and just an awesome hunt. I didn't know that a lot of the Montana bulls, their bodies are big. And so bulls that I was looking at that, you know, Jason's like, what do you think that one scored? I'm like, ah, 340. Realistically, it was probably a 355 bull. A bunch of those bulls were just big, you know, kind of mammoth monarch looking bodies. And I didn't realize it. And so one thing you need to know is wherever you're hunting, you kind of need to get a feel for body size of bulls. Are they bigger in this state or smaller in this state? So that's one thing. The other thing is uh, Jason shot the bull, and it, it was we, – we might have saw one other bull that was bigger at a long distance, but this was, this was one of the biggest bulls we saw. And he shot it and, we, you know, had it on the ground, and we were taking pictures, and we were field dressing, and – and skinning and the whole thing, and he's like, what do you think it'd score? So here, Craig, I have the bull on the ground. I don't have a tape on my pocket or anything like that, but I, 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 I can actually touch the antlers, and I looked at it, and I added around, and I calculated, and I did this, that, and the other, and I said, uh, you know, I'll bet you's, you know, solid 350, okay? Mm-hmm. So here the antler is in my hand. Yeah. The body is, the elk is laying there, and his bull ended up scoring 371 inches. Well, two things are at play. I have a tendency to always want to be under and never be over. That That is just as much of a fault as being overscoring. I, I've done it on sheep. I've done it on, you know, coos deer. I've done it on things where I'm under. Granted, I have been over as well, but the the, the couple of times that I have been overjudged and thought an animal was bigger, it has, you know, quote unquote, scared me enough to want to be credible and want to be accurate. And, um, you know, I, I tend to be under even when they're on the ground, because I never like to have something be uh, smaller than it actually is. I'd rather it be 20 inches bigger, like in this case, or 15 inches bigger when, when Jason, we actually, Jason didn't score, but, um, uh, Jack and, and Cody and I scored it. And Jason was right there watching and taking part of the whole thing and, and watching us and it scored 371. So I would rather say 355 and it be 370. But I think, as as a, a fault of my own, I can't be too far under because there may be a an opportunity to harvest an animal that the client really wants, and I tell them that it's you know 370. In reality, it's 390. So my quest is always to try and be as accurate as possible, hedging a little bit on the low side. Yeah, I, I think that in general that that's how I am. All right, I want to believe I am. I know for yeah. me that, anyway, going back to uh, uh, looking at how you get better is 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 you you have to, like you said there, you have to actually measure the antlers um, and see it live, and and then that you know that experience right there just told you, man, I'm I'm historically under because of all the other experiences that I had, um, but but. Do you, would you say that 
from that that maybe you'll be a little bit more aggressive? Well, I, I can tell you that if I go to Montana again, I will have the video of the bull, the photos of the bull, the photos of the bull on the ground, the, 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 the actual act that I actually scored the bull, and that will be in my brain forever, and I will be able to take, and how does that compare to Jason's bull? Okay, Jason's was 371. How does this bull, what does the body look like, you know? And so I think each experience that we go through, you know, I take them as a learning experience. Yeah, I get kicked in the gut a little bit and the air gets knocked out of me because I'm like, man, I I thought he was a three fit, you know, just over 350 solid bull, but he's a 370. Jay, you got to get better. And so, um, you know, I try and take each experience and learn from it and try and get better each time. Um, Craig, let's talk a little bit about this, the estimating the actual measurements method and how I like to use anatomical references to estimate several of the point lengths. Um, if you start with the eye guards, um, uh, Clay Goldman with Mogion Taxidermy helped me quite a bit. Clay is my taxidermist located in Payson, Arizona. Uh, Mogion Taxidermy, he does a phenomenal job. Um, but I had him help me with some of these anatomical references to make sure that I was as accurate as possible. And uh, one of the, when I'm looking at eye guards, from the tip of the nose to the burr, Clay measured a bunch of different bowls, and I've done the same thing. And typically, it's between 15 and 16 inches. So when you're trying to measure the first and second points, and sometimes the thirds you can place in there, you can use from a mature bull elk from the tip of his nose to where the burr, which is the, the where the antler starts on the front part. So running, if you were to put a tape on the top of his nose and run it up to the burr, that's generally between 15 and 16 inches. Another interesting anatomical uh, feature is from the tip of the nose to the beginning of the eye socket is typically 12 to 13 inches. So when a bull is face is turned broadside, a lot of times you will look and see how those eye guards, they don't um, parallel the nose, um, but you can a lot of times take that distance from the tip of the nose to the burr being 15 to 16 and then extrapolate it up and measure those eye guards. One thing I will say about eye guards and points in general is short points, points that look short and points that look straight are short. Points that have a lot of belly and a lot of curve, you get extra inches. Anytime on the first, second, thirds, you've got a lot of belly and a lot of, of curvature, that ruler's going to stretch. So, you know, a lot of guys will look at a bull and see, you know, they point, the eye guards point straight out. Watch those hard because straight points are usually short. Now, do you think that you use the term stretch because on bulls with bellied or curved Tines specifically on the front end because the perception of the distance that that horn goes from a straight point um, 
basically ends at the curve where it starts curving, and a lot of guys. Uh, well, that that's a great point, Craig. You you need to make sure that that the the straight part of the eye guard is a good you know fourteen inches and then bellies up. I have seen bulls that curve right away. And it's a little bit deceiving. So you need a lot of straight, and then you need a lot of curve. And if those those eye guards, the one twos, if they go out, say you know a good 14, 15 inches, and then start curving, when they start curving, you know from the from the straight point to where it curves to the tip, I mean you could pick up another four, five, six inches on the curve. A general rule of thumb is you know. Looking anatomically at uh, from from the nose to the burr, 15, 16 inches, you want to make sure that you're – now this is talking, you know, Arizona, you know, 350-plus type bulls. You want to make sure that you are that you have, you know, over 16-inch eye guards. But in general, you want to look for extra eye guards. Do the eye guards fork? You know, if you get a six or seven inch fork off an eye guard, that's six or seven inches extra on your on your your uh, your points measurements right there. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, uh, anatomical uh, reference that you can use is um, the distance from the top of the hump of an elk's back. So again, if he's standing broadside. Um, and straight up the length of his leg, right behind uh, the leg in the crease, you know, right where you would be uh, trying to trying to shoot your, with your broadhead, um, from the bottom of, of, of that crease, so the underbelly to the top of the hump, uh, and, and again, I want to thank Clay for, for um, also giving me these measurements and re, re-solidifying what I think, and it's about 30 inches. So an interesting thing with that measurement of 30 inches is if you take that uh, measurement, when you're trying to measure the fourth points, I like, I like when fourth points are, you know, 20 inches long, you can try and when that bull's standing broadside, you can take that, when you're looking at that fourth point, take the distance from the tip to where it hits the base of the, the main beam and put that in the hump. And if it is, you know, eight or 10 inches shy of the length of that hump, you're, you know, you're looking at a, a 20 inch fourth point. And just, just to clarify with, with everybody listening and with you, the only way you're able to do uh, these uh, basically measurements from from the body comparing to the horn is to have images or video, correct, Jay? Uh, yeah, I mean it, this is this is something that that you know I've come up with over time, and I've used other resources that I come up with, and and Dara and I have gone over, and Clay and I have gone over, and you know trial and error, and actually measuring you know anatomical features and 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 keeping track of this. Um, but yes, if if you if you digiscoped your uh, bull and you are able to go back and analytically break down on your computer screen or on your phone or whatever, 
um, you can use some of these anatomical features to help estimate. Yes. Now it's it's just a it's just a it's it's something another tool to use. Exactly. It's not a it's not a pro, you know like I said with the Montana bull a giant body throws your you know, scale off. The, the distance may be thirty three inches, or a small body it may be twenty eight. So it's just something to use to to uh, calculate and try and get better. Um, Another thing you can use with the 30 inches is um, in your when you're measuring your main beams, um, a, a, a 50 inch main beam typically is going to have from the burr to the fourth point. I don't know why John McClendon um, actually is the first one that that turned me on to um, this uh, little fact, and from the tip of the where, the where the burr is measuring up the main beam to where the fourth point starts on a 350 plus bull typically that measurement is always 30 inches and you can take elk antlers and do it and I've done a bunch of them and it's dang sure from the burr to the fourth is almost always 30 inches I don't know why it just is so you take that same measurement from the hump to the bottom of the belly and you can you can extrapolate that and go, okay, am I dealing with a 50-inch main beam? You know, is, 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 is this a 60-inch main beam? Because I can take from the, from the top of the back to the belly, and, and there's two of those. Okay, that's a 60-inch main beam. Again, these are rough mm -hmm. anatomical, uh, uh, using anatomical measurements to try and help you estimate score better. That's awesome stuff. Um Okay, and and uh, I'm looking at my notes here on an article that I wrote, and it says determining the four mash measurements per side is usually difficult. So I use a little rule of thumb. If the rack doesn't look heavy and has a thin appearance, I attribute 27 inches of mass per side or 54 inches total. If a bull looks real heavy and solid, then I estimate about 30 inches of mass per side. Um, trying to determine mass, I will tell you, is difficult, and that comes from measuring a lot of bulls and uh, looking in Boone and Crockett records and actually looking at total mass measurements. I will tell you... Um, a side note, like unit 10, in my mind, has uh, less mass than unit 9. I don't know why. You know, the, mm -hmm. both units are fairly close. Um, one of the things when I first started hunting in unit 10, I had to realize that not a lot of bulls made that 30-inch mark mm -hmm. for, for mass per side. Um, and... That is somewhat of an air judge. You know, you look and you go, that bull's heavy. Mm -hmm. Okay, he may be more towards the 30-inch mark if that bull looks light. You know, I've seen, I've seen 340, 350 bulls with, you know, 26 inches of mass, 52 inches per side, or, or 52 inches total. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that can throw off your field judging. So that is where knowing what your animals in your unit, what the average mass is, um, you know, that's where that can really play in and be important. One of the biggest things that I've noticed just with one mass measurement, and I've just grown to learn it 
over the last, or, or, or I guess learn, uh, over the last three or four years and really paid attention to it. Bulls at G1, their G1s and G2s are very, come off almost at the exact same point, can blow up on their bottom circumference measurement. And it's very, okay. it's very hard to, to notice that um, or to be aware of it. But if you see a bull that is G1 and G2 come out from almost the same point, more than likely his first mass measurement is going to be a lot bigger than average. Okay, and so Craig, what you're specifically talking about there is is a great point. And you know, part of becoming a great field judger is you really need to understand the scoring of an elk. So so real fast, I'm going to go through that, and then I'm going to come back to your point of webbing, and webbing is huge with mass and you bring up a good point anytime you have your first and second points that are close together you a lot of times will have like an extra you know two and a half three inches of webbing but um i guess i got ahead of myself when you're estimating actual measurements you're estimating basically your point length which usually is your g1 two three four and five on a typical six by six bowl then you are you're estimating the main beam length, which is from the burr to the tip of the elk antler, then the mass, and then the width, so your spread. And that gives you your measurements for uh, 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 an elk antler. More importantly, you need to actually look at the Boone and Crockett score sheet and see where they're taking the actual measurements. One thing that people need to understand, and I see, I see this mistake made a lot, is people take your first circumference measurement at the burr of, of, the, of the elk antler, and that is not correct. What Craig is talking about is you always take the mass measurements between the 1-2, the 2-3, the 3-4, and the four five, and you only gives, and you only get four, no matter if he's a six, seven, or eight, nine, or ten point. Right, and I've seen people, you know, shoot a seven by seven and give themselves five mass measurements aside. You only get four per side, even if he's a seven, eight, or nine point. So, going back to your point of webbing, what Craig is talking about is it's very deceiving, but. If you ever get to look at an elk real close, and if his G1 and G2, which is where you take your first circumference measurement, if those points are close together, a lot of times what you're going to have is what's called webbing. And that webbing is where the first point hits the main beam and it, and it rolls around into the second point. If they're close enough together, that is going to be almost, um, it's hard to describe, it's going to be... It's, it's, it's actually going to make the main beam swell. So you're not actually measuring like you would around the main beam. Because they're so close together, you get a swelling or a webbing there. And a lot of times, you know, you can go from having a, you know, a 9-inch uh, a, a G1 measurement to having a, you know, 11-inch G1 measurement just because of the webbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, and you can't. And, that, and the reason why I point that out is because typically on the other mass measurements, and I've done this, you can see the mass there a lot of times because it's exposed on the curve. 
you know, you can see it. Um, and I've been surprised on bulls. I got a bull that I found sheds of that's, that's 393, you know, with a 40 inch inside spread credit. And, and that bull has huge mass in the back. He reminds me of the bull that you guys, that somebody found the pickup head of in unit 10, the, the club bull that has the yep. club. Uh, he, yep. He's a lot like that bull. Um, but the one thing he doesn't have, and I, and I believe he's only got 28 inches of mass. And if you look at him, you, he's actually more massive than the bull you than the club bull. If you look at him, you you ought to, you think the bull's going to have over 30 inches of mass, but his his G1 and G2s are separated, and he loses a couple inches there. Um, whereas I've seen bulls, or my Utah bull. Um, his 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 eye guards were super close together, and I want to say his first mass circumference was was ten and a half, and you know I didn't account for that, and that's you know it, we're talking about finer details here that I mean you're you're only going to see if you actually have time, and and you're digiscoping and you're really taking you know you're not going to really look at that if you're air judging something, but if you're really trying to nail down a score, that's something to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And mass can throw a lot of things off, but if you use, you know, the 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 20, you know, the 26, uh the you know, 25 26, the 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 27 28 and the 30 inch mass measurement, um usually you can get pretty darn close and we'll get into that when I start talking about my my little formula the magic number, the estimating the shortest points. Um but yeah, I mean, any one of these characteristics, if you have abnormal mass, abnormal point length, abnormal main beam, or abnormal spread, it, it can jump your score up. Mm -hmm. um, you you want to try and get an eye for what is, you know, average 350 bull, what is an average 320 bull, what is an average 400 bull. And I think that's where my um, chart of, you know, average measurements um, is something that you could even keep on your phone um, when you're out in the field and, you know, if you're looking at a bull and he's got, you know, 16 inch points, every point is 16 inches, you know, you're probably looking at just in general, you're probably looking at a 360 type of bull. Yeah. Um, if he's got 13 inch points, you know, you're probably looking at a 300 bull. If, if every point on him's, you know, 20 inches right there, um, just in point length alone, you, you know, you're looking at 200 inches, 100 per side, because you've got, you know, your G1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is 20 inches. That's 100 inches right there on that side. You're probably looking at a 400-inch bull. Yeah. Um, just to go over it again, point length in my mind is number one. you got to have long points. Um, when you're let, – let's talk about third points now. Third points in my mind uh, are ones you, you – when you're looking at a bull, I look at the the backs, I look at the main beam, but thirds are something that can always make or break your score because a lot of times you'll have a bull that has great first, seconds, fourth, fifths, good beams, and the thirds are short. You've got to watch those thirds. If you've got a bull with long thirds, he's probably going to be a bull that surprises you score-wise. Um, what you want to look for in those thirds is a lot of belly and a lot of curve. If they go, if you're looking at them head on, you want them to go out and then curve back in. And, you know, 
I've seen some bulls with, you know, 25 inch, uh, third points. I killed, I killed one, the biggest bull I've ever killed with my bow scored 406 and he had 25 inch third points. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, thirds can a lot of times make or break a bull. If you're just looking at an average, you know, point length bull, if you've got, you know, big thirds, that's going to jump your score up. But you've got to watch the thirds because a lot of times you'll have everything but short thirds. I, I, I've noticed, and I, I this is just something I was just thinking about just as we were talking about this with bulls with big thirds is a lot of times when I see bull, and I, I think of big uh, big thirds to me are are really big thirds are over 20, Um uh Above average thirds are, are definitely are, are over 15 to me. But when I think of bulls that have big thirds, like we're talking 20 plus, you know, those bulls with just those giant thirds, um, it seems like to me, and this is just throwing this out there, that they usually have pretty solid G1s and G2s for whatever yeah, I reason. Mean, Do you notice that? I, I agree. I mean, it. If a bull has long thirds, typically their one, two, threes are all pretty good and, and, and pretty long. It's, it's, I've seen bulls with, you know, pretty good fronts, but short thirds. But in general, you make a good point. Um, if, if a bull's got big, long thirds, he typically is good all the way one, two, three. Yeah. I, I... And, you know, personally, I like, uh, big bulls with big backs. I like big fourths and fifth points. That's 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 what I like. Um, but you know, some of the best scoring bulls are some that are just you know their one two threes are really big and long. And and um, you know, a, a lot of people look at the backs, but they you know I've got a bull that's got nine inch fifths, uh, but you know like he's got twenty five inch uh, thirds and you know twenty two twenty three inch one twos. Um, you know, and he scores 406, he was droughted, you know, it was a, it was a drought bull that, you know, had, mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, I want to say 15 inch fourths and nine inch fifths, um, but he's all fronts. He actually has an extra eye guard too. Um, I've, I've done some stupid things with bulls with big fronts. Um, I have a tendency to, to severely underjudge them. Um, and, and and I'm talking about when I get a bull that I consider is kind of lopsided, you know, where you're talking with, you know, five to, you know, 10 inch fists, um, and maybe, uh, you know, 16 inch sword tying, but then his, his fronts are, you know, 20, 20 and maybe 20 or 25 on his thirds. And I have a tendency to, and I've learned this and I've really, um, especially when I was younger, I gravitated because I like back ends too. I mean, um, and width, and I I gravitate toward that, and I tend to, um, if if I'm completely real here, I tend to overjudge that and look at that. And I think a lot of people look at what they want to look at or what they like, and then they don't look at the. Um, for me, when I'm looking at, I've learned that I have to look if I see a bull with big fronts. I really have to look him over um, because a lot of times I will look over a bull like that and he may just have, I mean, he could be 25, 25 and 25 and then have 16 and and 10. And that's a big bull, you know, 
Um, yeah, and and I think Craig, you make a great point. I think you know when I'm making my first impressions and looking at a bull, I'm looking for weaknesses. But I'm also, on the other hand, I'm looking for something that's abnormal, and it's like, wow, he's got huge fronts, but he peters out in the back. Well, you you have to kind of add all that in together because it's just as if, you know, he has big backs and short fronts. I mean, you take the weaknesses, but you also look at, oh, he's got some abnormal greatness up front. Um, that can weigh in just as much as having big, giant backs. Yeah, yeah, no no, definitely. And then in Arizona, when you throw in, you and I, we've been talking about a couple bulls, and, and we've shared pictures of the same bull that's got giant fronts and weak backs, and and we're not going to mention any places where he's at, but you know those are the type of bulls, in my mind, on a good year like this year, they can really round out and, and gain some significant inches um, if, if their back catches up you know, or even av- just becomes average, just becomes a 350 type bull back in. If he's got abnormally large fronts, uh, you know, those are the t- you gotta yeah you gotta watch those bulls with big fronts because on a year like this where you've got optimum feed conditions, um, the backs are usually going to finish up. Sometimes genetically they just don't have big backs, but you know that one bull you're talking about in particular, you, you gotta watch a bull like that because. On a good year like this, he could finish out his back end and be a, a true giant. Yes. Um, you know, I, I I think everybody has their own different bulls that they like, but to be a good high scoring bull, you got to have long points. We've talked about that a million times, and but I think it's important to note you have to have long points and a long main beam. When I'm Using an anatomical reference to judge the main beam, okay, if from the top of the hump that we've talked about on a bull's shoulder to the to his hoof, and Clay has really helped me out to, to verify my measurements, but, you know, 58 to 60 inches, okay? Okay. So when a bull's head is, is down feeding, I'm going to read this off my notes here, um, I determine whether the main beam is higher or lower than the hump on his back above his shoulder. The distance from his the top of his shoulder, hump down, his front leg to the hoof is generally 58 to 60 inches. Depending on the maturity of the bull, if the tip of the main beam comes to the top of the hump, then the beam is probably around 50 inches. Now, what you have to remember is that distance of, you know, 12 to or 15 to 16 inches from the tip of the nose to the burr. So picture the bull's headed, you know, head is down. Um, obviously, you, you have to add that measurement in because he's not setting his actual burr of his antler on the ground. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. If the tip of the main beam comes to the top of the hump, then the beam is probably around 50 inches. If it's shorter or longer than the hump of the back, I add or subtract accordingly. Now, that is just a general rule of thumb. I also use my chart when I've kind of air judged and categorized the bull. I can use my chart here uh, for main beams, uh, which you guys can find on, on my website. But, you know, for a 340 to 350 bull, he's going to have a 38-inch inside spread, a 50-inch main beam, 29 inches of mass, 15-inch point lengths. 
total point length per side 75 inches puts him at a uh, 345 346 type of bull okay main beams when we're talking about main beams uh, that is the second most important characteristics of a bull scoring high so you've got long points but main beams is number two one of the things you need to look at is the shortest distance between two points is a straight line if your main beam looks really straight he's gonna be a short main beam if his beams from his fourth point going back to his fifth if they dip way down or if they dip down and then curve back up if you see a lot of curvature on the main beam it's going to be longer than you think. I think you can measure a lot of antlers and get kind of a feel for a 50 or 52 inch main beam. And then when you're field judging in the field, you'll be able to say, oh, that's a 55 or, oh, that's a 48. Um, but a straight looking main beam, just like a straight looking point, is short. So anytime you see a short or a straight looking fourth, short looking third or straight looking third it's going to be a short point same with the main beam gotcha i'm I, i'm main beams to me and this is just me personally i don't know about you but to me they're the hardest measurement to get um as far as um just 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 because and this is me personally, based on my experiences, is I, I use the, you know, the mass you're talking about as far as, you know, 25, 27, 28, 30. Uh, obviously, you can miss a little bit there um, and not, not hurt too much of your score. The, the time length to me, because I can, you have, you know, basically you have, if it's a six point, you have five on each side to kind of compare, you know what I mean? Uh, the main beam to me, for me personally, is what either, you know, if the bull's got a big body, if he's got a small body, if he's got curve, if he bellows out, to me is where I screw up the most. Um, that's just me personally. Um, is, is, and, and so I really scrutinize uh, my main beam lengths, and I really want to look at, um, like you're saying, um, I was just looking at some of your images. I was looking at the the, the bull, um, the the club bull that um, was posted June 29th, 2012. Phil judging elk and scoring elk antlers three. Uh, the G5. Bull yeah, the G5 bull. bull sorry, um, and uh, you know you got a picture of him with his head down, and I and I used that real quick, and I came up with a. Uh, a 56 inch main beam um, you guys have it here in your estimated actual measurement as 58 which is that's pretty accurate 56 to 58 um, we're not talking to me you know I, I think when I when I listen to this back and when I look at any field judging stuff it's kind of given a barometer for guys or scale okay what's accurate how far off is is still good you know, as far as field judging, and I think within the main beams, if you can get within two inches, that's pretty dang accurate. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think another important thing is, you know, on these big bulls, if you're basically just using the benchmark of 50, anything over that is a bonus. Yes, you may end up scoring the bull low, but 
don't say it's 58 if 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 you know you really think it's 53 or, or how hard is I'm it saying? Jay to really I I found one shed antler that's 60 I've seen and held a few bulls that are 60 inch main beams but those are rare um, Okay so let's talk about that you hear the guy say, well, when he bugled, he tilted his head back and the tip of his main beam his hit head. his butt. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, no way. Yeah. Can't happen. Where it hits is like in their paunch above the front of their, of their back leg, uh, the, the no-go zone where you do not want to hit an elk, a gut shot. That's where it's going to scratch. But Anybody that tells you that the main beam goes past their butt or scratches their tail, no, doesn't happen. I think the longest bull I've seen on video that looked the longest was Dan Agnew's bull from, I don't know, San Carlos or White Mountain. Yeah, that, and those were those were long. That was a beautiful. Yeah, six those point. were like. You know, I want to say he had like sixty four. Yeah, I got a bull that's sixty three. I got shed horns uh, uh, one side out that's sixty three, and it is. It is abnormally long. I mean, it's just ridiculous, and you just yeah. see those. Yeah. And I will tell you that I never, I don't care if it's a 430-inch bull, the the number 60 on estimating beams never comes out of my mouth, ever. Yeah. The, the, I mean. I'm scared I, to go 50. I go 55. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's a good rule of thumb that, you know, if it's a super long-looking main beam, use 55, and if it's a couple inches longer, great. But in all the elk antlers that I've scored, very rarely do they ever get 60 inches. And quite honestly, they very rarely get over 56. Uh -huh. I mean, it's so, you know, using on your high end of 55, you know, that's that's a pretty good, uh, that, that will keep you in the ballpark. And if they end up being a little bit longer, so be it. Um, so now that we've, you know, taken the myth of, you know, them scratching their, you know, their butt. Now, keep in mind. I am not saying that an elk cannot do it. They can tilt their head way, way back, not in the bugling position, but way back, and you know, tilt their body around and scratch their butt. They can do absolutely do it. But in the bugling pose, yeah, when you hear, broadside. oh, he was he was bugling and he was broadside and he's you know scratching his butt, it ain't it ain't happening. Yeah, no, you hear that a lot. That's that's the that's the giant fish story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think for me, one, one hard part is, is spread. I think, you know, you take Michael Parks, 435 inch bull that, you know, he shot in 2009 with yeah. me. What would you just guess he's, his width is? You know, when you, when you, when I look at him, I'd, I would have probably guessed him at 40, but I, I want to say he's probably what, 37? He's 34 and a half oh. inches wide. So it's super, super deceiving. And, you know, I, the biggest bull I've ever killed is 45 inches wide. And to me, that's super wide. Now, I know there's bulls that are 50 inches wide. But the thing that I can tell people out there is, you know, generally 350 bulls in Arizona are going to be in that you know, I'm going to say in that mm, 36 to 40 range. Yeah. Yep. To me, if a bull, I never, well, I shouldn't say I never. And we're, and we're talking inside 
the crest. In, inside spread. That's which where is you the, get the score from, not the outside. Or right. Inside, inside spread is uh, generally or between the fourth point. So uh, say between the fourth or between the fourth and fifth, that's generally where you get your spread credit. And the inside spread credit is the only thing that matters in the Boone and Crockett scoring system. Um, anatomically, if a bull is looking at you, I'm going to read off my notes. Um, the last measurement to estimate is inside spread, which is the widest point from the inside of one beam to the inside of the other. I often use two anatomical references. First, the distance from ear tip to ear tip, which is generally 21 to 22 inches. And second, the actual ear length itself, which is seven and a half inches. The only way to really estimate the inside spread of a bull elk is for him to be facing you. When he's facing you, you look at the width of his ears. If you can add one ear's ear length to each side, then you have uh, that should put you at a 37-inch spread. So you've got 22 inches of his ear width, seven and a half on, on each side uh, is 15. That equals 37 inches. So if if you can add an ear length and a half, then the inside spread measures 44 and a half inches. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, keep in mind that very few bulls are wider than 45 inches. Yeah. With that being said, you, we always see the anomaly bull that's, you know, 51 inches wide or some crazy thing. And, and those are individual cases that you have to take on a, that's a you know, case-by-case case basis. That's, that's a freak. That bull that I filmed that my cousin missed, that Godzilla bull, um, that, that would have been 480, that ended up being 464 and was killed the next year. That bull, I believe he was 45 or 47 inches wide. And that's the widest bull. Um, I've, I've seen a couple bulls that are close, but I can count on one hand. Um, and that's since I was, you know, living in Arizona. And I will say really, really hunting hard since I was about uh, 18 or 19. I'm 35 now. I can count on one hand how many bulls that I thought were 45 inches. Um, when I was younger, I would have probably called them 50, um, just just out of not knowing. But that bull was I mean, he was 464 inches, and that's how wide he was. Um, I rarely, I, I don't, I, I rarely give a bull over 40 inches inside score credit, um, and and generally it's it's 35 to 37, um, and and that's just what I see a lot of. So, yeah, and and I'm I'm with you 100% on the same way. Um, you know, very rarely do I give a bull over 40. And, you know, keep in mind, you got a bull like Michael Parks that, like I said, 435, and he's got a 34 and a half inch spread, but he's got point length out the wazoo, you know. So, um, hey, I battle to this subject every time my wife gets an elk tag because all she cares about is spread as long as it's got some long beams. And so it's, it's a, it's a battle when somebody sees, you know, it's like the 30 inch mule deer, you know, remember when, when, when everybody, and it is, it's totally up to yourself, but remember when that was the big, that's what big buck contests were based on was width, you know, sure it was width, you know. And, and, and I'm going to say that, you know, everybody has different things that they like. Some people like six by six, some people like seven by seven, yeah. some people like, you know, 
abnormal points, you know, so every, everybody's got their own. But when we're specifically talking about, about trying to be accurate in field judging and score, um, you know, you have to realize that spread is, is, is nothing in, in, in the arena of percentage. Uh, time length is number one, main beam is two, mass is three, and spread is very last. Um, when I'm doing the estimated actual measurements, I actually try and measure up, and that's going usually off of photos and video. I try and score every point. So I'm going to start on the left side. I'm going to do the G1, G2, G3, G4, G5. I'm going to uh, estimate the uh, main beam length. I'm going to estimate the mass. And then I'm going to add up my score. So I'm basically taking every single measurement and adding it up, trying to get the most accurate gross score that I can. Mm -hmm. There's another method that I use, and that's uh, what I call plugging in the magic number or estimating the shortest points. And that is something that I do a lot of times in just trying to get a quick measurement. And I'm going to read off my notes here. Uh, there's a great shortcut for field judging bulls where I use anatomical reference, but instead of trying to estimate each measurement individually, I use a magic number for the main beam length, the mass, and the inside spread. And then I compare the length of the points from one side to the other, estimating the shortest points. This method is not quite as exact as estimating each measurement, but it gets you very close, much easier, and much faster. First, I start with the magic number of 200. For a mature, typical bull elk, that scores around 350 inches. His main beam is usually around 50 inches per side. So that's 100 inches. His mass usually equals 30 inches per side, which is 60 inches. And inside spread is usually around 40 inches. So that's 100 plus 60 plus 40. That equals 200. Now I will stop here and, and, and we've already talked that uh, 30 inches of mass is quite a bit. And we've already talked that 40 inches is, you know, a lot of bulls are under that. I'm going to come back to that. Next, I estimate the length of the shortest point for each antler and double it and then add them up. Be careful with this, these estimates because whenever you double a measurement, it can make your score go up or down dramatically. Meaning, if you say it's 13 inches and you double it to give it 26 and it's actually, four, or it's actually 15, it can be 30. You're off right there on just that point alone by four inches. Um, okay, do your best not to overestimate your shortest points. Now add the total length of points to the magic number 200 to get the gross score. Finally, go back to the main beam, mass, and inside spread. Is the main beam really 50 or is it 53? Add or subtract accordingly. Is the mass heavy or light? How does it compare to 30 inches per side? Add or subtract accordingly. Is the bull really 40 inches or is he 36? Add or subtract accordingly. If you think those measurements deviate from the magic number, just add or, add or subtract. So when I'm looking at a 350, 360 type of, when I've already air judged and categorized this bull, 
the first thing I do is add up his, his five points and double it. Add it to my uh, add it to my magic number, and I've got my score. So, for instance, if I if I look at a bull and he's got 16, 18, 20, 20, and 17, that's 91 doubled is 182. I add the 182 to my 200, and I'm looking at a 382 bull. Now, if I look at that bull and say, but his main beams um, are a little longer than 50, so I'm going to add two more inches per side. So I go two and two, that's four. The bull automatically goes to 386. Uh, I get to the mass and go, well, he's not actually 30, so I'm going to subtract. He's only 29 per side. I'll subtract two off my score. If the spread is not 40, he says only 36, I subtract four, and that gets me to my score of 384 gross. Does that make sense to you, Craig? It absolutely makes sense. Um, and I use the magic number scoring system a lot when I'm just quickly trying to say, Okay, what's his, what, look at the G1s, which one's shortest? Okay, 16. Okay, look at his G2s, which one's shortest? Okay, 17. And then when you add up the shortest points, you're, you are going to get uh, pretty darn close to what the bull's score is, and that's the quickest way to, to, to accurately add up a bull. Yep, I agree. That's um. I, I think it's important to talk about a couple of these charts here where, um, let me look here. I think it's important to talk about a couple of these field judging tips uh, in this episode. Um, number one, point length is the single most important ingredient for a bull to score high. Next is main beam. It is rare to have a high scoring bull without long points and beams. We've gone over that. Number two, on a typical seven by seven, the point measurement is going to go up dramatically. For instance, a typical seven by seven will usually have six points that measure from four to 20 inches, which can add eight to 40 inches to the bull's total gross score. We've talked about that. Any extra points that you add into your point total make your score go up dramatically, especially if you have a four and a four on each side, that's eight extra inches. If, if, if each extra is 10 inches, that's 20 extra points. So you could be looking at a bull that looks like a 350 mainframe bull and he's 370 because he's got two extra 10 inch points. Yeah. Um, Another thing to note, like Craig says, on a 7x7, seven seven, you don't receive any extra mass measurements. The only mass measurements are between the 1st, 2nd, 2nd, 3rd, 3rd, 4th, and 4th, 5th. And that uh, measurement is the smallest circumference measurement in that area. So between the 1st and 2nd, the smallest area, 2nd, 3rd, the smallest area. A lot of I see guys score and they go to the biggest, you go to the smallest. Um, look, look for any weaknesses or broken missing points as they can affect the score dramatically. We didn't talk about broken points, but one of the things when I'm, when I'm air judging in my first impressions is I'm looking for weaknesses. I'm looking for broken points because if you have a broken third that's broken at the bait, at the, at the main beam and the other side is 18 inches, well, you're going to lose 18 whole inches on that other side. So broken points Abnormal extra points are huge, but broken points are just as huge on the downside. 
Hey, we get a lot of them in Arizona. Ton, ton of broken points, especially on the early rifle on the last yeah, week mean, of the archery. Huh. It seems it seems on the weaker antler growth years, uh, you know the 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 antler the because it's bone can be brittle and they break hard. But I've also seen on great antler growth years where you have high intense ruts, uh, rutting you you get uh, a lot of fighting and those uh, antlers inevitably are just going to break. So you've got to watch for broken points and that's another good thing when. When you call a bull in and you get your, you're going through your first impressions, if you can train yourself to look for weaknesses, is he missing a fifth? Is he missing a third? Is he broken somewhere? Um, that will either help you, that that will help you determine whether he's a shooter or not a shooter. Uh, most of the time, broken point bulls are not bulls that you want to shoot. Um, I, I I will say the biggest bull I ever killed has a 12-inch broken point. And when I first called him in, I actually passed on him because I immediately saw the broken point. So it put me into the mindset of he's broken, he's broken, he's broken. I don't want to shoot him. And it, it made me not look at all the rest of his points. My wife happened to be videoing the bull as he walked by. And I said, let me look at that video again. And then I realized my first impression shut me off because it was a broken point because I didn't want to shoot a broken bull. But then I realized every other point's a giant. You know, he's seven by seven with the broken G6. He's still a, sh a shooter. So, you know, you, you have to you have Did your to wife tell you you were nuts. She had to make the call on that bull for you. She she uh, she tells me I'm nuts <laughs> a lot. So, <laughs> um, okay, use anatomical references to judge um, measurements. Uh, count the number of points on each side because if something looks odd, it usually is. Uh, the main beam length from burr to fourth point is usually around 30 inches, so compare that length to, of the main beam from the fourth point to the tip of the main beam. If it looks about half as long, then in the, t the length is closer to 45 inches. If it looks equally as long, then it might be pushing 60 inches. Uh, number seven, main beams are rarely 60 inches or more. Inside spread are rarely over 45, and mass is rarely over 32. Number eight, try to err on the short side when estimating measurements. Um, it's real easy to, to, to think they're longer than they are, and when you start, you know, given an 18-inch G1 and it's really 15, and you extrapolate that number you know, two, three, four, five up up the side, and you're off on the first one. You can get way off quick. Um, look for good spacing between the points. I think this one is huge. When you're looking at the main beam, a bull, if if it, if his points are all real compact and tight together on the actual spacing of the main beam, that's a good indication that your beam is going to be short. I think it's important to look for those bulls that have a good distance between their second and their third, their third and their fourth, and their fourth and their fifth. Because, and, and, and especially those bulls that have a good distance between third and fourth and fourth and fifth. If you can get good distance on those two measurements, you're typically going to have a lot longer main beam. If points look close together, the beams are probably not as long as you think. That's the end of number nine and number ten. If a beam or point looks straight, then it will be shorter than you think. 
Look for lots of belly or curve in the points in the main beam. Curve means greater length. I think we talked about that, but you know, going back, anytime a bull's looking at you and it goes, you know, say as thirds, seconds or thirds, they go out and then they go up, um, you're you're gonna be looking at a long point. So I think I think curves too, as well as on the main beams when those bulls I think bulls have longer main beams than what you think on bulls that flare out excessively in the back. Where they it's a it's a curve but it's not a curve against your 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 kind of the parallel lines of how you see the beam structure. But if you look at a bull from the front and he's got a lot of flare out in the back, um, you guys have a picture of a bull. And I'm just scrolling through the website here. I think Dar videoed this bull in water. Um, well, or, yeah. or, or uh, Tim Allen's bull. Um, that bull, well, he kind of curves in, um, and you don't it, you don't necessarily see. Um, especially on his left side, it's a straight beam, but the beam kind of curled bellies in, you know, versus just staying straight. Um, so I think that's another thing to look at with beams is, is, is what is their, is their horn structure when you look at them head on, do they just go straight back or do they, do they curl in or do they curl out versus just from the side angle looking at the curvature is how it curves there as well. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. If, if if any abnormality, if it curves out, if it curves in, if it curves down, if it curves up, you're going to add distance. You're going to add length. If it just is a real pretty looking beam that just goes back, it's probably not as long as you think. But in points or in the main beam, anything that's abnormal, that's bending out, bending down, bending up, a lot of times you're going to get longer. Now, I will say... When after the fifth points, when a beam tips up, I found those tipped up beams to be shorter than bulls that tip way down. So sometimes you've got to watch that bend up because it can be deceiving to me. Bending up in the back to me sometimes is shorter than bending either normal or or down. Down is best and out, down and out is is, is best. You get a lot of flare, and that's where you get inches. So, um, Craig, do you think there's anything there that we did not cover? Um, I mean, we could go on and on. I think extra points, non-typical bulls, um, you know, extra thirds, extra fourths, you know, split brow tines. Uh, those are all things to be looking for to add inches to your score. I, th I, th I guess, you know, I think we much covered it I think the thing is that I always catch myself and for you guys that are listening is is what what system are you going to use and when are you going to be able to use it um, just just speaking out loud for myself is if you want to be as accurately Phil judge as accurate as possible the best way is to be able to video and digiscope a bull see him in the field and out of the field um, trail cameras are Pictures are awesome, but I think there's something to seeing the bull alive as well. It kind of completes a 360, uh, if you will, uh, perspective of that entire animal. Um, a lot of situations that you're going to be in as far as hunting type situations, especially if you're archery hunting and, and you haven't located the bull that you want to hunt, um, 
you know, hand-to-hand type, for lack of better terms, combat, so to speak, you're going to have to air judge a bull um, uh, and make a split-second decision, um, and that's going to take some experience. And, and, you know, there's always those bulls that just absolutely floor you, but, you know, count the number of points real quick. Look at width. Look at main beam length. Really, really look at, like you are saying, Jay, it's stressing, really look at time length. Don't just get caught up on the width. And uh, you really have to look at time length um, right away. So yeah, and and with time length being the number one most important thing in in, in a high scoring bull, it, it's it's everything. And so you're missing points. That's a huge deduct. You you got to really watch that. Um, I will say the biggest bulls I've ever seen. Most of the time, they're pretty impressive and and wowing. Uh, you know. Handfuls of bulls that I've, you know, shot over 400 or seen or guided over 400. Most of the time, from the initial impression and look, they look they look giant. They look huge. There's everything about them is big. Um, so you know, just the air judge and, and, and first impressions is huge, but it's kind of like a big brown trout. I mean, the the big ones look big. You know, the elk. Elk, the big elk, look big. If he, if if you look at him, and go well. He's probably not a giant. Yeah. You probably need to keep looking, depending on what tag you have or what have you. But speaking, you know, Arizona, where the biggest of big. Um, if you're going after a giant, uh, they've got to look huge. Every there can't be any angle. I've never seen a 400 bull that's got an angle that you're like, eh, I don't think he's that big. They all look big at every angle. Every 400-inch bull looks giant. Yeah, no, and that's another thing too is when you're looking, when you're judging off pictures, if you got a camera picture or if you got a digital picture, um, I, don't get focused on just the the pictures where you look big or your marketing pictures or the pictures you're going to share with all your buddies and say I found a big one. You need to really analyze every angle, rear, front, well, side, and quarter. You know. I think that's a great point. I think, you know, we get caught up in, you know, getting the best angle and going, sending that to your buddies. Send the worst angle to your buddies first. Yes. Then send the best angles. Now, I will talk a little bit about photos and video. Dara and I feel, uh, you know, feel very strongly that video is way better than photos. Yes. Photos can be very deceiving. Video catches all angles, catches movement, brings in anatomical features brings in body size video is king because you see all the different flares and angles and um you know pictures can be super deceiving so um learn to to judge off of photos and learn to judge off of video and know that there's a difference yeah big time i would agree with that 100 percent. that you know uh you can you can pull frames off of a off of any animal and make him look bigger than what he is but if you get that 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 perspective you know that video um those those weak spots will show up you know yeah that um craig i i want to thank you for being on and going through this and the other episode on field judging elk uh we're going to be doing some field judging sheep and coos deer and mule deer and and uh i've actually already recorded a field judging antelope uh episode with you and your partner lee murphy with exclusive pursuits outfitters 
And I want to let the listeners know if they have any questions at all, feel free to email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And if you want to send me photos, uh, I, uh, all summer long I get people emailing me trail camera photos asking me what they think bulls score. I'm happy to give you my, my estimate, um, so feel free to do that. I uh, want to encourage you guys to uh, try and up your game and try and to learn as much as you can about field judging whatever animal you're hunting. Um, and to try and push yourself and stretch yourself to become a, to me, field judging is becoming a better hunter. I believe that field judging is a skill just as much as you should go work out and, you know, do sit-ups and push-ups, you should be working on your field judging. You can do a lot of field judging by, by, you know, I have files and files and files on my computer where I save photos of bulls and, you know, Put official scores and, you know, if it's not an official score, put the, you know, the, the score that the person's saying. And I, I, I process all of that and, and try and uh, get where I can categorize bulls better. And I hope that uh, uh, some of the things we talked about in this in these episodes on field judging elk help you. And um, uh, Craig, do you have anything to add? No, man, I, I just would stress stress about the digiscoping stuff that everybody i mean my dad's even got a smartphone so i don't want an excuse of why you you know those those cameras and the smartphones have have the memory have the capability get yourself you know the i mean with that outdoors outdoors adapter adapter, get yourself an adapter and and you know even if it's a minute or two take the time it it and it at all and another thing too just off Field judging with that is you're, you're able to keep track of that bull as well and go back and say, yeah, that is him. He does have a kicker off of his here because your memory will will deceive you. But but when you can reflect back on video and images and, and reassure yourself that he's as big as what you thought he was, it makes it a lot easier to go back in there time and time again and hunt him. So. Yeah, and you and you also made a good point earlier about you know keeping track of bulls and if some another hunter kills them, hey, contact the hunter. Say hey, you know, a couple months after the season, can I come by and you know look at the rack in your garage? I I I had the fortune of you know spending some time with this bull and I, I you know I I have the measurements that I've estimated. I'm just curious what each point and go score that bull and, and put your hands on it and, and give him a little you know, video too. You know, a lot of yeah. times that you know I know Jay and I get contacted a lot. You know, a lot of times guys just they, they, I mean give him a little video. Let's build some camaraderie out of this. It's not you know this Jay and I. It, it's not all about being selfish and what you kill. You learn that through guiding that. You know, just be be a sportsman about it. So yeah. Well, buddy, I appreciate um, you being on, and I appreciate uh, the great content that you provide on orchunt.com. And, and um, you know, we're a um, couple months away now from go time elk season and, uh, you know, 60 days away. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be an exciting year in Arizona, and I'm looking forward to it. So I uh, wish you the best and appreciate all the help uh, you give here on the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. And, uh Uh, Until the next time I talk to you, buddy, God bless you, okay? You too, bud. It was fun. Well, that was a great episode on field judging elk with Craig Steele, and I want to thank him for being on the podcast. And I want to remind uh, you guys 
uh, when you join GoHunt.com Insider to use the promo code JSCOTT and you will receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. So there's three easy steps. Visit GoHunt.com Insider. Click on the Join Now button. Use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout. And within three business days, you are going to receive a uh, digital gift card from uh, GoHunt.com. And I want to thank them for their sponsorship. And I want to thank you guys, my listeners, uh, for all your support. Uh, I want to thank you for your great positive comments on iTunes and the five-star ratings. Uh, It's just every day getting new reviews and new ratings. I just want to thank you guys for that. Uh, I want to thank the thousands and thousands of you that are listening and tuning in for all your support. Uh, You can follow along at our adventures uh, on Instagram at jscottoutdoors, my associate Dar Colburn at Dar Colburn, also at jscottoutdoors Facebook uh, and jscottoutdoors.com and jscottoutdoors YouTube channel. Um, Guys, if you need to get a hold of me, uh, you can reach me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, again, thank you for all the questions and comments. Uh, I try to respond to each one of you as, as soon as possible. And um, I think it's important to get direct feedback from you guys, the listeners. So I just thank you for that support. And uh, until next time, guys, God bless. Thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today.